The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Amen. So last week, at the God Will Do It Again service, we shared on prophesy. Prophesy. And if you missed that, uh, please get the CD or get the message on um, free online. And, um, and God will bless you in Jesus' name. Today, we will be looking at Occupy. So last week, we looked at prophesy. Today, we are looking at Occupy. And next week, by the grace of God, we will be looking at multiply. Amen. Multiply. <clears throat> Our text is from the book of Luke, chapter 19. We read from verse 11. We're going to read some portion in KJV, some portion in the NLT. And as he heard these things, he added and spake a parable because it was near to Jerusalem. So what this means really is, was that Jesus was there near to Jerusalem. What does that mean? It meant that he was approaching the cross. He was, he was approaching the time where he would lay down his life, when he would leave his disciples and lay down his life. So it was a crucial point in the life of Jesus. He was nigh to Jerusalem. And because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. So, because of two things. He was getting close to his, his death and there was a misunderstanding of his whole purpose among his, his followers. There was a misunderstanding of the kingdom. They thought the kingdom, the physical kingdom, should appear immediately. So, he, Jesus, said, therefore. So, he told them a parable to clear the air to give them the proper perspective. And he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and return. So Jesus was saying, this kingdom that you are expecting, the physical kingdom, I am going to receive it and I'm going to return with it. But in the meantime, he called his ten servants and delivered them Ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Verse 15. After he was crowned king, after he has obtained the physical kingdom, after he has ascended to the Father, he returned, and Jesus is returning again. Praise the name of the Lord. He returned and called his servants. To whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of 10 cities. He took one and multiplied to 10, and he became the governor of 10 cities of the physical kingdom. When the king returned, 
as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. So the one that multiplied ten became governor over how many cities? Ten. The one that multiplied five became governor over five cities. And these are categories of servants, not necessarily one. And the third category, the next servant reported, Master, I invested your money. Nope. But the third one, sorry, verse 20. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, hmm? okay. I hid your money and kept it, I kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with. Taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servants, the king roared. Your words, your own very words, condemn you. If you knew that I am a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvest crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. You know, I was sharing how sometime last week or the week before last, you know, I was speaking with some, some guy, a, a disciple on another continent, and, you know, and he had a question. He had, a, he had an issue. He's, he's a believer, but he had an issue, and his issue was, why does God like to take glory? Why is he so obsessed with glory? Why does he, have, why does he want to take glory where he has not labored? That somebody will work so hard in his life, make a successful living, then he will expect that you give glory to God. He had an issue with that. How did that sound to you? Ridiculous. But it's a legitimate question. You know? And, and I said to him that, listen, God is the source of all things. He's the source of our lives. That mouth that you're able to ask, he gave you. The brain you're able to use to analyze, he gave you. If without him, the breath you have taken in this conversation alone, you can't take it. The hand that you want to use to do the work, if, if the hand doesn't move, what are you going to do? You, you can't do anything. You run to the hospital at, 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 the, at the most. So he deserves the glory of our lives. Praise the name of the Lord. And he's God all by himself. Verse 24. Then turning to the others standing nearby, the king ordered, take the money from, his, from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. But master, they said, he already has 10 pounds. Yes, the king replied. And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Do I get an amen? amen. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So, what, which of the categories are you? 
Are you in the category of those that God will look for more talents to add to yours? Or are you in the category of those that God will have to take from so that he can give those of us? Uh, if God has blessed you, he's giving you a talent, he's giving you a gifting, it could be a treasure, it could be time availability, it could be a talent, and you don't use it, you're going to lose it. It's in the Bible. You use it or lose it. What's your choice? So, at the end of the day, when Jesus comes, where will you be? Will you be in the category of those that they will add more to? Or will you be in the category of those that they will take away from? Ask your neighbor, where will you be? <laughs> Some people don't want to ask because it seems to be a serious thing. And it is. It is very serious. God is going to come and take account. So Jesus was talking about Two kingdoms essentially here. So, and, so what he was saying is that the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God the kingdom of God has two expressions. The first is the visible kingdom. Now, this visible kingdom is what has been prophesied for centuries by Old Testament prophets. They all prophesied a time when God will rule on earth, when through the Messiah, physically on earth, and Jesus is going to rule physically on earth. Praise the name of the Lord. When he comes back, he's going to rule physically on earth. The headquarters is going to be Jerusalem. There's a lot of contention over Jerusalem. I don't know where your politics, international politics are or is. But Jesus is going to rule over everything. So the visible kingdom. And there is the invisible kingdom. The invisible kingdom. Now, the visible kingdom for the Jew is a big deal because they wanted the Messiah to come. In fact, they are still expecting the Messiah in Israel today, the first coming of Jesus. Why? To restore the kingdom. That's why when Jesus was ascending in Acts 1 6, the disciples was asking him, is it time to restore the kingdom? Is it time? But you, you said you will, you will die and you will, you will resurrect. You have died, you have resurrected. What is left, Jesus? Let's take the kingdom. And he said, no, it's not time. I'm giving you an invisible kingdom. And this invisible kingdom, you don't see it, but you feel it. You don't, you don't see it, but you can spread it. It is God on earth. It is heaven on earth. Jesus was saying, if I, by the finger of God, cast out a demon, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He didn't say, then the kingdom of God will come. He says, the kingdom of God has come. But that was, that, what he was referring to was not the physical kingdom. 
It was referring to the invisible kingdom. So you and I, we are to bring the invisible kingdom of Jesus to bear until he returns with the physical kingdom and rewards. So we are to bring the invisible kingdom of God to all our situations, to all our spheres of influences. We are to bring the invisible kingdom of God. That's why before he left in, in Luke's Luke 19 that we read, 13, it says, he called his servant and delivered them 10 pounds, to them 10 pounds, and said unto them, occupy till I come, occupy till I come, spread the invisible kingdom. So what you and I need to wrestle with is how do I occupy how do I take the creative spirits that God has given me? How do I occupy until Jesus comes? To occupy simply means to feel, to take over, to control, to feel, to take over, to control. How do I use the giftings that I have to feel, to take over for God and to control for God? The NRSV of Luke 19, 13 says, Jesus said to them, do business with this until I come. Do business means engage in profitable venture. Engage. You see, you can't be a Christian and be passive. You can't, even if you are called into ministry, you have to be active in the marketplace. You have to be active in spreading God's kingdom. So whether you are a painter, a baker, a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, wherever you are called to serve, whether you are a homemaker, your preoccupation is how do I bring the kingdom business? How do I, how do I expand the invisible kingdom in this sphere of influence? Wherever you are, to the extent to which you are able to bring the kingdom, to that extent you are useful to the king. Praise the name of the Lord. To the extent to which you are able to influence your sphere and bring righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, to that extent, you are useful to the king. So that is what you and I need to wrestle with. That's what we need to wrestle with. If you look at the NLT translation, it says to us, saying, invest this. For me, invest it for me. Invest it. To engage in an investment is, is, is some, for, some sort of a risky venture. Anyone that has made any form of investment, you know it's a risk. You're taking a risk. So it's a risk-reward thing. Now, but if you look at that story, there was no servant that invested, that came back and said, I invested your money and I, I, I turned a loss. You know, <laughs> you know you, there was none. So what does that tell us? What does that tell us? The only problem God has, number one, is for you not to take the risk. It's for you not to invest. 
It's for you not to occupy. It's for you not to be engaged. That's the, that's the only problem God has. That's number one. Number two, when you actually take the step in faith, in obedience to God, you never come short. You never come short. Every single time. Every single time. The times you come short, go and check. You took your own way. You took your own routes. You did it with your own brain. And that's why people, some people, it's as if they have money in the bag of holes. Why? Because they, they take their own ways. They always come short. Jesus says, invest. Invest. Everybody say invest. And not only do, did God give these 12, I mean, these 10 people, we are, it's, it's, it's like um, a parable. We are this, we are part of this 10. So which group are you going to be in? Are you going to be the, the one that has one and multiplied to 10? Are you going to be the one that multiplied to 5? Or are you going to be the one that wrapped it up and did nothing about it? Romans 12 says that we have been gifted. We have been gifted. Having these gifts differing according to the grace given to us, we too are to occupy. We are to occupy. We are to occupy. So again, what Jesus is saying in essence is this. We are to remain occupied in working hard for his invisible kingdom until his return with the visible kingdom. We are to occupy with the gifts we have been given. We are to occupy with the talent we have been given. If you're a painter, you should leave this place wrestling. How do I bring the invisible kingdom of God? If you're a teacher, you should leave this place how do I bring the kingdom of God? If you're a policeman or a policewoman, you should be thinking, how do I bring the kingdom of God by not collecting a gunje? Honestly, it's pathetic. But you are different. You know, we have policemen. <laughs> you know, they are different, different breeds, I pray. Jesus name. <laughs> how do I bring the kingdom? If I'm a homemaker, how do I bring the kingdom? You should leave this place wrestling. And God will give you the insight in the name of Jesus. How do I bring the kingdom? So everything we have is a gift. It's a gift. So because it's a gift, we cannot be prideful. We cannot... Say, oh, we have a chip on our shoulder. Why? Why would you have a chip on your shoulder? There's nothing a man has that was not given to him from above. There's nothing a man has. Nothing. Nothing that was not given to him from where? From above. There's nothing a woman has that was not given to her from above. Nothing. If you have, if you're wealthy, it was given it was given. If you are pretty, you think you are beautiful, it was a gift. What if you came ugly? Who would you, who would you fight? It's a gift. There's nothing a man has that was... So, we can't be arrogant. We can't afford to be arrogant. Because everything we have is a gift. 
But having said that, when God gives, God leaves you with the responsibility to steward that gift. So the gift becomes your responsibility. 100%. So God gives you the gift. Whatever you do with it, 100% is your call. He gave them the gift. He told them, occupy till I come, and he walked away. Whatever they did with the gift, whose call was it? Was their call. But at the end of the day, you're going to give account. Even though it's your call. <laughs> at the end of the day, you're going to give account. Even though it's your call, you can open your mouth and abuse your husband. It's fine. They are recording it in heaven. At the end of the day, you are going to give what? You are going to give account. You take your hand. You push your wife. It's okay. It's your call. They are recording it in heaven. At the end of the day, you are going to what? You are going to give an account. And that's how it is. That's how it is. Now, when you look at the gifts they were given, when you look at the, 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 the money they were given, because literally it was, was money, pounds, silver, pounds of silver. It was, if you look at what they were given, analysis and, and historians, I mean, um, theologians tell us that the amount the king gave them was equivalent to three years' salary. Three years' salary, long together, giving up front. And it's not that the following year they won't give them, but they, are, they get three years' salary in the beginning of one year. Now, if you get three years' salary at the beginning of this year, what would you do with it? Whatever your income potential is for per annum, multiply by three. And see that, boom, boom, entering your account even right now. First service people were, they will receive it. Yeah, right, we're receiving it. But, you know, God can do it, and I believe he will. Now, but that's not the point. The point is this. What would you do? What would you do? Oh, I need to buy that new car. Oh, ah, that dress. I need to buy it. I need to buy that suit. I need to buy the bag. When I come to church, they will take. Wagba. You know? Or when I get to the office. If that is what... <laughs> because the average person, that's what preoccupies their mind. The average person. You get a win for... The, that's what they're thinking about. Oh, I will bank it. But you will bank it. But your behavior has changed towards your husband. You now come into the house. You are look, you are, who, who is there? Who is talking? Me, I should go to the kitchen. You must be dreaming. Now, what has changed? Your attitude changed towards your wife. Come here. Ah, is it me? I don't come here. <laughs> your attitude has changed towards your wife all of a sudden. You used to be friends, but now you want to be master. Because you are saying what? What Jesus is teaching us in this story is this. As much as the gift given to the servant was, it was just a seed. It was a seed. It was a seed. Now, no matter how 
big you think your income has been or, or your bank account is or is not or whatever value it is. Whatever you think you have is just a seed. <laughs> okay. It is just a seed. Absolutely. What you do with it actually determines your future. What you do with it determines your future. So, it, and it, 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 it's, it's, it's humbling because it, it, it was just a seed. It was just a seed. And these guys didn't do anything. That is, the guys that, that wrapped it up, they didn't do anything. They probably just put it under their pillow. They didn't even put it in the bag. They didn't do anything with it. If we knew that it's just seed, our attitude would change. If we knew that it's just seed, we will will say, how can I be profitable? How can can I activate this seed? How can this seed multiply? How? So how does it Get activated. Seed gets activated when it comes in contact with water. That's when seed gets activated. So if you, if you have um, seed, it's not activated until it comes in contact with water. Either by planting and, and waiting, or even if you have a tissue, put the seed in it, moist, it will grow. It will germinate. So the point is, so what's the water for our seed? For giving seed and sowing seeds, what's the water? So I've sown seed. So all my, some, some people see that have been dormant since. The seed is not, they've not received harvest because the seed is dormant. What is the water that activates our seeds and brings about a harvest? The water is the word of God. The water is the word of God. When our seeds come in contact with a word that we believe and confess over our lives and our situation, the seed is activated. So a seed needs to be in contact with water, all you need to activate a seed is to expose it to water. Then, boom, it is activated. In this story, in this case, the seed will be activated in addition to the word of God. The seed will be activated. The seed is the treasure that Jesus gave them. The seed, the water of the seed is their time and their talent. So the time and talent that you apply to the treasure activates the treasure and brings about a harvest. So if you have treasure and you are willing to give it your time, if you have a talent, if you have a, a, a gift and you are un, unwilling to give it your time and your talent, you cannot 
multiply. It cannot be productive to you, um, for you. So what we are saying is this. We cannot profitably invest treasures, our treasures without giving our time and using our talents. That's the problem with this servant, this category of servants that wrapped up the gift. They didn't apply, they didn't give the, the gift their time. They didn't give the, the gift their talent, their talent of invest, investment, their talent of business, their talent of enterprise, their talent of reproducing seed funds. They didn't. They just wrapped it up. They just wrapped it up. But if you understand that everything that we are is for God's glory, everything that we have is for his glory, it's easy for you to apply your time and your talent on the treasure, then get the harvest. Everything. Everything. So when we see that there are two kingdoms, the visible and the invisible, and Jesus is saying, look, you need to occupy, establish the invisible kingdom until I bring the visible kingdom. The best person to teach us how to do that, how to um, operate the kingdom, the invisible kingdom, is Jesus himself. So when we look at Luke 13, Luke 13, from verse 18, Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? I mean, this is classic. What is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? How can I make it clear? The kingdom of God. Verse 19, he says, It's like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree. And birds make their nest in its branches. So what's Jesus saying here? He's giving us the keys to occupy. He's giving us the keys of the kingdom. How to establish the kingdom. You, you could say, uh, I'm a teacher. How do I establish the kingdom? How do I, I, I I'm, I'm wrestling with that question. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a solopreneur. I'm a, I'm a writer. Oh, I'm a journalist. Oh, um, how do I? Jesus is saying, or you and I, if you look at that scripture, the tiny mustard seed that a man planted where? In a garden. In a garden. The first thing is you need to take your territory to occupy. You need to take the territory. You need to take the territory. You can't, if you, if you are putting seed in other people's gardens, when the harvest comes, you will discover that there's a reason it's their garden. But you're like, oh, but God, oh God let me put the seed inside. Sorry. <laughs> the owner of the territory takes the proceeds of the land. So the first thing you and I have to do is we have to take the territory. You have to take your territory. What? Is God 
setting before you. The first thing before you begin to plant your seed, you have to secure the territory. You have to secure the territory. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 20, 31. It says, Deuteronomy 2, 31. It says, Then the Lord said to me, Look, I have begun to earn the king of Sihon and his land, his territory, over to you. Begin to contend with him. Another transition says, contend with him. Begin to conquer. Now, begin to conquer and occupy his land. You have to contend before you can occupy. You have to conquer before you can occupy. So, so God is saying, you need to get ready to fight. You need to get ready to war. You need to get ready to take hold of the territory that God has marked for you. Yes, we've prophesied. Yes, you have been prophesying. It's time to occupy. And Jesus is saying, the first thing to occupy, the first thing for occupation is you need to secure the territory. And you secure the territory by fighting. If there are no giants, the territory is not for you. It's not good enough. Praise the Lord. There will be giants. But you have to be ready to fight. Prophecies have gone forth. But fighting for occupation has to follow. First Timothy. First Timothy 1.18. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, I'm giving you these instructions, Timothy, my, my child. In accordance with the prophecies made earlier about you. Prophecies have gone forth about you, God's favorite house. Prophecies have gone forth about you individually. He says, so that by following them, you might fight the good fight. So you, you can use the, and the translation says you can use the prophecy to wage a good warfare. So the prophecies become the basis for the fight. Not the excuse not to fight. Many times we use prophecies as excuse not to occupy, not to fight. Oh, God has said it. I believe it. God settles it. God said it. I believe it. God settles it. So I'm going to sleep until the miracle drops from heaven. And you've been sleeping for 15 years and no miracle has happened. Why? And it's a challenge with the, the, the kind of Christianity that we see that's prevalent in, in, our, in, our, in, in, in this part of the world, you know. We are big on the faith. We are big on the prophecy. And there's nothing wrong with that. You see, the people that try to talk us out of it, they're wasting their time. The supernatural precedes the physical. Praise the name of the Lord. But after the prophecy comes, the fighting. After you prophesy, you have to now occupy. You now have to occupy. You have to wage the warfare. You have to fight. And the prophecy becomes the basis for the fight. Not the excuse for not fighting. Numbers, numbers 13. Numbers 13, 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy the land and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. Then the men 
who had gone up with them, said, We are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we. And that's the challenge. Caleb was not looking at the strength of the people to determine whether he could take the land. Caleb was looking at the strength, listen, of God. He was looking at the strength of his God. And you see, many times, until we get this in our spirit, we, be, we, we remain fearful. You, you remain fearful if you look at the Goliath and, and look at yourself. Like Eliab and Saul, you will say, oh, he's been a warrior since his youth. You stand no chance. But like David, if you look at your God, you will say, this one is bread for the fowls of the air. Why? Because the same God that defeated the lion, the same God that defeated the bear, that same God will bring down this Goliath. So David was looking at the strength of his God. Not the size of Goliath. Praise the name of the Lord. So to occupy, number one, you what? You take territory. Number two, to occupy. After you've taken territory, what we see in that scripture is he planted. The guy planted. Be planted. Be planted. Be planted. Be planted. Luke 13, that we read, verse 18. Then Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It's like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. A man planted in a garden. You have to be planted. You have to be planted. You have to be planted. To plant is a nice way of saying to die. Because when you plant a seed, the seed first of all dies. So to be planted is you have to yield yourself to die. To be planted in life, to be rooted, you have because the word of God says, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and what? And dies. It abides alone. There cannot be fruitfulness without death. They can't. There can't be resurrection without death. You have to be planted. Praise the name of the Lord. You have to be what? You have to be planted. You have to be planted. If, if you don't want it, then you remain alone. Seed. The seed will just remain seed until it's planted and dies. And dies. It's uncomfortable, but the death is required. It's just like, like a, a, a woman. You want to be planted in a, in, a, in a home. You want to be planted in a family. You want to raise a family. And you're saying, I don't want to be, I don't want to be planted in any man's house. I will just be having from one man to another after all, it's feminist. It's, it's fe- it's, it's, I'm a feminist. It's, it's, it's feminine rights. You know? Sorry. You have to be planted. You have to be planted. But if, if, if I'm to be planted, 
That means I have to die to my ego, to myself. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But guess what? Don't look at the death because you are not going to remain die. Death, death. You are going to bring forth life. Praise the name of the Lord. And you are going to be fruitful. So that's not the end in itself. But it's a necessary process. You have to die. Same thing goes to the man. You can't just say, if you want to raise a family, a responsible family, you can't just say, I will just be distributing my seed everywhere. I'm not going to be planted with any woman. I'm not going to be planted. You can't do that. You do that, you will be anything but planted. But, pastor, you don't understand. My married friends, they go through a lot. Some women are just unreasonable. Welcome to the real world. <laughs> That's the real world. So, am I say women are unreasonable? Of course, women are unreasonable. Pastor, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Women are unreasonable to men. Not unreasonable in themselves. To men. Doesn't make sense to us. I'm telling you. That's just how it is. Sometimes. You guys just don't make sense to us. I know that you're saying, Pastor, you two guys don't make sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Now you're getting it. The point is this. We don't make sense to each other. But for that marriage to work, you have to die to yourself. You have to be planted. You have to be planted. You have to be planted. If you are just full of your own ego, full of your own ideas, it's not going to work. Could it work? You have to be planted. You have to be planted. You have to be. Same thing with reproduction. The sperm has to be planted. If it's not planted, nothing's going to happen. Same thing with school. You cannot graduate. You have to be planted in a school. You can't say, no, pastor, I just want to be a floating scholar. I'll be a floating scholar. I'll go to King's College for one week, and I'll go to um, Abakaliki for another week. <laughs> you have to be planted. Same thing if you're a Christian. Every Christian should be planted in a local church. You, there's nothing like a floating Christian. If you're a Christian and you don't have a local church, you are an orphan on the way to being a vagabond. Ouch. It's hard. Yes, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Because when you are planted in a church, you know, people are going to step on your toes. Oh, you are going to die to yourself. No, but, 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 but I, I can't take that. I can't take that from anybody. I want everybody to respect. Let us respect ourselves. That seed can be polished, can be washed, can be clean, can be shining, but it will not produce. Except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and does what? And dies. It abides alone. So a Christian without a local church is an orphan. You have to be planted in local church. There's, no, there's nothing like a roving Christian. It doesn't exist. Check the Bible. There's nothing like a roving Christian. You have to be planted. So, to occupy, number one, 
Take the territory. Number two, be planted. Numbers 33, be planted. He says, take possession of the land and settle in it. It's one thing to take possession. It's another thing to settle in it. But God is saying, you will take possession and you will settle in it. And settle in it because I have given it to you to occupy. The settling is important. You need to settle in the land. You need to settle in the land. You need to settle. So number three, to occupy, you take the territory, be planted. Number three, it's, it's, I mean, it's so important. They're all important. I mean, you can't do... One cannot even exist without the other. The, the third one is you need to grow root. You need to take root. You need to take root. You need to take root. In other words, when you, you are planted, you, you just leave it. Don't go and excavate the seed and check. Oh, are you still okay? Are you still okay? Okay, they say I should plant you. They say I should plant you. And you plant. Then you wait through the day. You remove the seed again. No, 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 no. Leave the seed. Let it germinate. It's called death. Let it die. And when, interestingly, basic biology, when you plant a seed, the first thing that grows is the roots. The root grows downwards. It grows downwards. When seeds are planted, the first grow roots is the radical before the plumule, the, the shoot goes up. The radical, the, the embryonic root goes down. That's the first thing. Why did God make sure that, why is it so important that the first thing to happen to a seed, when it grows, the first thing it grows is the root. Why? Why? The seed does not sprout until the roots have anchored. The seed does not sprout until the roots have anchored. The challenge with a lot of us is we want to sprout without growing roots. We want to sprout without growing roots. We want to be seen. We want to, to, to shine. We want to be like, if you think it's about shining, you have to grow roots before you grow your shoots. You have to grow your roots before you grow your shoots. A big challenge with, with our generation, I mean, the, it's a big blessing. Social media is a big blessing. I mean, it's, I mean, very useful. But it's become an epidemic on the other hand because it's, a lot of people have lost themselves in social media. What knocks you off to sleep is social media. When you wake up, the first thing you check is become your God then. Really. Because the last thing you should, last person you should talk to and like is the Holy Spirit. The first person you should talk to when you wake up, and like, is who? It's God. So, it's, it's a challenge. We have people, you know, 
it's, it's good. I, I mean, we, it's good to, again, have a presence, show your pictures and everything. But sometimes, you know, hide yourself. The part of the plant that arguably, every part is important, but it's most important because it comes first, it stays there. When it's out, the plant is done. It's the root. It's the root. Grow your root. When you grow your root, it's not popular. When you grow your root, you, it's, it's in the obscurity. It's in obscurity. No one sees the root. No one takes a selfie with the root. We all want to take a selfie with the shoot. Fine. It's beautiful. It's flowering. It's fantastic. But you have to grow the root. Because without the root, the plant, the root, two major things the root does. Number one, it gives the plant stability, anchor. That's why a lot of people are losing ground. No roots. When the wind comes, what happens? Blows them away. Grow your roots. Second reason for growing the roots is, is you have access to resources that eyes cannot see. <laughs> you have access to resources that eye cannot see. If you grow your roots, you have access to water and the minerals, but they are those, those things are not visible to the naked eye, but they're just seeing that you are, you are fresh, you are shining, you are blossoming, as if you are not getting tired, you know, you know everything is just, you know, check the roots. Check the root. If you, if you are quick to focus on the shoot without the roots, asking for trouble. Asking for trouble. Asking for trouble. That's why many people today, and you see, I just... Like merry-go-round. Because there's no roots. Grow roots is, 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 is painful sometimes. Many times. It's, it's messy. The dirt is, is, is dirty. It's, it's not beautiful. It's not comely. But you have to grow your roots. The time you take to grow your roots is not wasted time. Not at all. Not at all. You want to build a house, you pay the time, you pay the price with the foundation. If you don't, you pay the price and the building comes down. Whichever way you pay the price. Second John 8. Second John 8 says, that we should watch out that you do not lose what you have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your reward in full. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you will not lose ground. Amen. You have to grow roots. You have to grow roots. You have to grow roots. You have to occupy that plant. You have to Send your roots deep down. Deep down. 
deep down. And many times, it's hard work, but it's necessary. There are many people that God is doing a brilliant work, but it's in root stage. It's not, you know, I've said before, um, God's Family House, we, we've had when people are said to us, oh, pastor, let's do this. And I said to them, no, we, can't, we are not doing it. He says, why? I said, we are growing roots. It's not, we are, it's not shoots. Year one, we are growing roots. Year two, pastor, we must have grown roots enough. All the vigils, all the prayers, all the sacrifice. Year two, I told them, we are still growing roots. Year three, we are still growing roots. Year four, we are still growing roots. What about year five? Yes, we are still growing roots. Year six, we are still growing roots. Year seven, oh, year of perfection. Let's do this, let's do that. We are still growing roots. Year eight, surely, new beginnings. I say to them, we are still growing roots. Our time has not come, but our time will come. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> our time will come. We are grateful to God. I mean, I, I shared the ATM service. We are grateful to God, you know, for favor and good people, you know. Um, someone brought in um, NTA here on Sunday at the God Ring service, you know. They, they, they were here, they covered it, they had a slot. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> now, um, <clears throat> but you wouldn't know. Did you know they were here? You wouldn't know. So after the service, you know, the crew, they came to me and they wanted an interview. And I said, I respectfully declined and I asked Pastor Richard to do the interview because we are still growing roots. <laughs> and that's the truth. And I thought, Pastor, what are you saying? This is not root, this is shoot. <laughs> it depends on how far you are going. Depends on how far you are going. So I didn't take, I didn't do the interview. I dodged it, and you know, Pastor Richard went and you know, and did the interview, <laughs> you know, and you know, maybe I don't know. Did he? Did he do? He said no. Did did they, they, <laughs> they agree to to interview you? Anyway, our time to shoot has come. We will begin to shoot, but we will continue to grow roots. <laughs> but we will begin to shoot in the name of Jesus. It's time to sprout. Hmm. In your life, this time of losing ground have come to an end. In the mighty name of Jesus. Okay, so I will ask, there's a video I, I, I mean, I sent around during the week. I got it from someone and, you know, it was really funny, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to, funny but very instructive. I'm going to um, ask that they show the video now. Um, so let's have it. This is in Canada. 
The street is icy. They are trying to walk up the street. And this is a wise man that has <laughs> designed a way of making progress. <laughs> and he arrived too soon. All the grounds it got boom gone. Don't get up too soon. Don't sprout too soon. Take your time in growing your roots. Take the territory. He planted, take the roots and grow. Luke 13, clearly, says, Jesus said to them, what is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in the garden, and it grows. You have to grow. You have to grow. In fact, growth will be inevitable if you do the first three things. In God, you just grow. And you have to remember that it's stewardship. You will give account. In Luke 19:13. Jesus said, Occupy till I come. How long should we occupy? How long should you read your Bible? Till you overcome the depression? Till you overcome the dark parts of people? They, they have Bible reading, confession, until they, they overcome a problem, then they go to sleep. Occupy till I come. How long should I be faithful and pay my tithes? Till Jesus comes. Should I be faithful financially until I get out of debt? Some people want to get out of debt. Till Jesus comes. NRSB puts it this way. It says, do business with this until I come back. NLT puts it this way. He's saying to them, invest this for me. For me. For who? For him. So the territory we are taking, we are taking for who? For him. We are taking for him. We have been planting, planted, the planting that is taking place, we are doing it for who? For him. The root that is taking place is for who? It's for him. The growth that will come inevitably is for who? It's for Jesus. So it's all for my king. It's all for your king. It's all for Jesus. It's all for him. That's why in, in Matthew 19, 17, Matthew 19, 17, sorry, Luke 19, 17, says, well done, the king exclaimed, you are a good servant. Now, listen to this. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be governor 
of 10 cities as your reward. So what Jesus is saying is this. What you do here will affect the reward you get here. What you do here, which is now, will affect the results you do get when he physically comes to rule the world. Now listen, he said, if you put up that scripture again, if you, could, if you put up that scripture, he says, you will be entrusted because he went to receive a kingdom. They thought the physical kingdom has come for Jesus to establish. He said, no, I'm going to bring the kingdom, but you occupy, expand the invisible kingdom. When I come back with my kingdom to rule from Jerusalem, what's your position in my cabinet will be determined by how much you occupy. Some will be given 10 cities to govern, to occupy. I mean, if you've been with us for a while, you know what I'm asking Jesus for. Where, where I want to govern. You, you know that, I've told you. Iraq. I, I'm not able to expound on why. I just give your boy Iraq. You can give other people like Jegule and, you know, and, you know, some people will be in charge of Nigeria, you know. I just want Iraq. Now, some people will get countries, some people get continents. Jesus will be at Jerusalem, ruling from Jerusalem. Some people will get local government areas. Some people will get estates. Some people will get streets. Some people, they will give them broom. We'll be sweeping the street. <laughs> I didn't say that. Though. That's not in the Bible. Though. I said this, but it's not in the Bible. It's my mind. Now, so what am I saying? How we occupy with the invisible kingdom will determine how we are rewarded in the physical kingdom when it comes. Occupy until I come. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. Occupy, my brother, occupy. My sister, occupy. You are like, Pastor, I want to be planted in Christ so I can take my roots in Christ, so I can grow in Christ. I want to be planted in Christ. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Wherever you are seated. I want to give my life to Jesus. You're like, Pastor, I used to be planted in Christ. I uprooted myself. But can I come back to be planted? Yes, you can. I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. I'll pray with you wherever you're seated. You're like, Pastor, that is me. Put up your hand now over your head. I will pray together. I want to be planted. I want to take root downward. Put up the hand. There's nothing to be ashamed about. If you're here, God bless you, sir. God bless you. That is me. God bless you. My brother, God bless you. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, another hand there. God bless you. That is me. Don't distract yourself with things that... God bless you, sir. I see your hand in the front. Don't distract yourself with things around you. Focus on God. Once you have the card, you can put on your hand and cry to him. I want to be planted in Christ. Put that hands up. I will pray together. The rest of us, let's, let's talk to God bless you right there. At that corner, God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. 
another hand. You have the card already. Once you have the card, you can put it in your hand. God bless you. That is me. The online instructions are scrolling. The rest of us, let's talk to him. Father, oh, give me the grace to take the territory that I need to take. The grace to plant. I put my seed in, the, in, the, in, your, in your soil. The, the grace to take roots, oh God of heaven. The grace to grow and be useful for my generation. Father, we pray for everyone that's surrounded to you. We ask that you fill them with your life. Fill them with your spirit. Cleanse them totally. Lord, establish them in your kingdom. Let them be rooted and planted in Christ. Let them grow in grace. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. For his kindness, his mercies, his compassion.